the beginning of this year on what we said to be open up service, uh, our vision for this year from 1 Peter 1.13, right, that a... Uh, Prepare your hearts and minds for action. And thank you, Pastor Greg, for preaching and giving the word last Sunday. Hey, Catherine, good to see you. Um, uh, and uh, it's always so good to hear from other people, not just from the lead pastor, but this is the vision that God has been giving to us together as a body. And hopefully, as you've heard, the last 21 days, you've joined us in reading some of those scriptures daily uh, so that we've been just been feeding ourselves and meditating on God's word to know what is it that God is saying to us as a church. And um, so we talked about the idea of being prepared. We talked about our mind, uh, uh, no, our heart. And then uh, Pastor Greg talked about the heart last Sunday. And so I'm going to shift and talk about our minds today. Um, but I do want to do a quick little recap, right, uh, of where we've been. Again, 1 Peter 1.13, we talked about that. Before I jump into all that, I know we've probably prayed, what, five, six times already this morning. Can we pray again? I promise I'll make it short. But um, I, I just want to prepare our hearts and minds to receive God's word. And I also want to be prepared to go wherever he wants to lead my spirit. I have, I have a whole sermon prepared, but I love it when the Holy Spirit inspires and says, this is where we're going today. And so I would love to be led by the spirit as I'm up here and that all of us would have ears to hear. Amen? So let's pray one more time. God, I thank you for your word, that it is living and it's active. God, that it shows us and it teaches us and it reproves us and corrects us. And so I just pray, Holy Spirit, have your way in our hearts and minds. Teach us something new. May we leave this place having been transformed because our minds are renewed by your word. So Holy Spirit, would you anoint me? Help me. Anoint all of us. Give us ears to hear what you want to say in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, so this morning's message, the title of this morning's message is A Prepared Mind. That's what we're going to be talking about, and I've uh, got lots of different things I want to go, in, in directions I want to go, um, but like I said, recapping first. The idea of prepare, I gave you a definition of what prepare is. It's to be ready, right? Prepare means to be ready, to be expecting something. Um, I have a definition. I, I shortened it down this time instead of having all of dictionary.com's uh, definition of being prepared, um, but it is idea, the idea is just to be ready for something expected, Ready for something expected. Are you prepared? Are you expectant about this Sanctity of Human Life Sunday? Are you pregnant? Are you expecting God to do something? Are you expecting God to bring a good work here in our land? Are you expecting God to bring an end to an abortion? Right? I'm expecting for our Supreme Court to bring a, a, a ruling that will bring the ending of Roe v. Wade. I'm expecting that. I am praying into that. I am, I am praying that God delivers that, um, that court case into our hands. I'm believing for that. You've heard Pastor uh, Greg recite me several times too. I am getting more and more pregnant with the idea that God, before Jesus returns, that there's going to be a billion soul harvest. I'm just pregnant with this idea that my mind is thinking about this. Well, if before Jesus returns, there's going to be a huge harvest. What do I need to do to get in on it? I don't want to be on the sidelines. I don't want to be a pew bench warmer, right? I want to be in on the game. And I love that 1 Peter 1.13 in the message, right? I, I read all the different translations a few Sundays ago. Part of the message, it says, get your head in the game. The idea is, is your head in the game? Are we just going through the life, just going through the motions, going with the flow? Are we actually preparing for something? Are we expecting something to happen? And this is the idea that this is the year that God wants us to be expectant. Um, you've heard me share before, uh, probably one of the first couple of years I was a pastor here, I shared that um, the Lord in my quiet time, he, he said that he gave me a nickname. 
Um, you know, my parents gave me nicknames. They, they officially legally named me James Ryan Donnelly. Yes, my first name is James. Most of you call me Ryan. Um, but that is my legal name. But my parents, my mom called me Ryan Uski right? She would make up all kinds of different names. She would call me things. Uh, um, all my nieces and nephews and their kids, I was Uncle Ry Ry, right? There's just different things. that I had different names depending on who's talking to me, right? And so the Lord kind of gave me a nickname. And he told me in my inquired time that, he calls me in heaven, he calls me a champion of hope. That's who you are, Ryan. You are a champion of hope. And so I'm saying, I will receive that identity and I will walk in that. I will be someone who champions hope at all times. That it says that, right, bless the Lord at all times. These are some of my favorite verses. You hear me quote them often, right? Put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. There is such a thing as a spirit, a spiritual wicked spirit that brings heaviness or oppression or depression. And I keep saying, no, this place, Osmaker Church, we are going to transform this physical property and the atmosphere here to be a place where it's a depression-free zone, where we just have hope. That hope, my definition of hope, is a joyful expectation of something good. So this is the year of preparing. Preparing is getting ready or expecting for something, for God to do something. So I want us to get more and more pregnant with the idea that God is on the move. He's up to something good, right? And I even, uh, just really quick, uh, probably not the Holy Spirit, just my own mind, uh, was thinking about yesterday, the 49ers won. Woohoo! Uh, that was a very uh, stressful game because they were losing the entire game. And as time expired, keep the field goal to win the game. Uh, so that made me very happy. But throughout the game, if you ask my family, I was not very hope-filled, I was saying things that were not very hope-filled, right? And so I was, I was ragging on our quarterback. I was saying all kinds of things. And I realized they probably didn't catch it, but I caught it. In the fourth quarter, I said, you know what? I'm going to start speaking the opposite. Our quarterback, he's going to be better than Tom Brady now. He's gonna, I just started saying things. And I'm not saying that was the Holy Spirit. I'm trying not to over-spiritualize it. But I just want you to there's something in my mindset. It didn't feel right. As I was ragging on my team for losing, it just did not feel right inside because that is not who I am. It came natural in the sense, it came natural to my flesh. But my spirit, man, that's not who God created me to be. He created me to be full of hope, to be expecting a good result. And so even though it's a silly little football game, right, the Lord was challenging me, Ryan, your mindset is not in the right place. And now your words are not in the right place. And so there's these things that God wants to prepare us this year to be expectant at all times. That we are just pregnant with hope. That we are expecting God to do something good. That no matter what, yeah, God is, right? Romans 8, you heard me share, that's my favorite chapter. There's things in there where it says, and we know that God works together all things for good. For those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Those who have this heart that is full of love and passion for God and has this mindset, I know God's going to work this together. So I don't have to rely on my own logic. Again, my favorite verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own logic, your own understanding. In all your ways, get to know him. Acknowledge him. And then he'll direct your steps. So that, as I'm sharing these things, I can't help but think, this is how I've been. For the last 21 days, I've been inundating myself with this theme. Prepare your hearts and minds for action. My heart needs to be in the right place. My mind needs to be in the right place. And then the action can follow. And so as I've been doing this for 21 days, I pray that I'm not the only one, that some of you are starting to get a lens, that you're starting to see scripture, situations, everything is starting to see through this lens that, oh, I didn't realize that verse said the word prepare in it. 
oh, I didn't realize that this was talking about the heart. And I've been praying about my heart for the last two weeks. Oh, that's so cool. I'm praying that we begin to see these things. Actually, uh, we talked a little bit on Wednesday night. I think Dave Hunt had a good scientific word for it. Uh, when we start to see things like, um, oh, I know someone else in the family has a Kia Sorento. I have a Kia Sorento. I'd never really seen that car on the road anywhere until I bought it. And I was like, oh my gosh, everyone has a Kia Sorento, right? There's this thing that happens when we see something, when something we are attracted to something, now we see it all over the place. And there's probably some scientific word that Dave Hunt said. But what I found, uh, it says it's called the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. In case you wanted to know. You learn something new every day, right? You probably didn't know that. I didn't know that. It's called the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon or the frequency illusion. Frequency illusion. It's when your brain is excited. There's actually chemical reaction. Your brain is excited. And then there's selective attention occurs. And it can be on a subconscious level. You're not trying to think about it. It's just because your brain has been excited about that, it sees it everywhere you look. Like you buy a white car, it's like, oh man, there's more white cars than any other color car on the road. I didn't know that until I bought a white car, right? You be, your brain begins to see things you didn't see before. And that's what I'm believing as we saturate ourselves in God's word, as we get this vision in ourselves, right? As we get pregnant with the vision of God, we begin to see everything that we didn't see before. As Nick gave that word during worship, right? Sometimes we think we see things, but actually we're blind to things. And God is saying this is a year he wants to open our eyes. He wants to remove the veil. I think even uh, Pastor, uh, Nick said something about that. I mean, Daniel said something about that, right? The veil, things being lifted, right? That's what Isaiah's prayer was. Would you rend the heavens? Would you open up the curtains? And would you come down? And I love that we live on the other side of the cross. We live under an open heaven. We get to see what's going on in heaven. Jesus taught us to pray, right? The model prayer, we were to pray as it is in heaven, right? Let it be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Just as it's going on in heaven, let it be done here on earth. This is our mindset. This is the way we should view things, understand things, think about things. So again, 1 Peter 1.13, I got to read the whole verse to you again in the Passion Translation. I think I have a slide for it. Because there's this idea of just expecting things. It's not just prepare your hearts and minds for action. It keeps going. Prepare your hearts and minds for action. Stay alert and fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. I hope you read this verse more and more. You memorize this verse and you get it into you. The idea is that we're alert we're actually cognitive and recognizing and seeing, oh, God is on the move. He's up to good things. God is really good at all times. You heard it through worship, right? I can see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I don't have to wait till Jesus comes to the second return to actually see Jesus. This verse, it talks about the unveiling of Jesus or the revelation of Jesus. And it can be interpreted Jesus' second return. I get that. But I love that Scripture, you hear a pastor talk about it? My answer is always yes. Is this, pa is this passage talking about Jesus' second return or is it talking about here and now? Yes. yes. I can get more revelation of Jesus today. I don't have to wait till the clouds are rolled back and he actually comes and returns and takes all of the, the bride of Christ with him, right? I don't have to wait for the rapture to have a revelation of Jesus. Every day of my life, there can be an unveiling of more of Jesus. He's that big. He's that profound. He's got that many different angles of light that can refract from him, right? There's, for all of eternity, we'll be learning more about Jesus. 
billions of years from now, our mind will still be blown when we learn something new about him. And so I love that we can do that here and now. That my mind can be revealed. I can, that Jesus can be revealed in my mind where I can actually comprehend. I love that about the gospel. That the good news of Jesus, that there are three-year-olds that can comprehend who Jesus is and accept him into his heart and become born again at three years old. It's possible. You can be 90 years old and be a professor and have seven different doctorates and be an atheist all your life and think you have everything figured out but God. Then God shows up and wrecks all of your thinking and all of your mind and you can be born again. I love that you're never too young, never too old to actually have your mind comprehend the goodness of God. And I think, as I said, I have a message that I prepared this morning, but there's so many points and subpoints I tried to fit in. But at some point, I don't want to be led by my mind. I want to be led by the Spirit. The mind has its place. We are to prepare our minds. I, want, I love, I, I went to Bible college. I, I love hermeneutics. I love the idea of being able to study how to defend my faith and with articulate. Uh, I was just wearing a, a t-shirt yesterday for my sister. She took me to a conference where it was about, all about apologetics, all about these really big thinkers that figured out how to argue against atheists and actually prove scientifically, theologically that God exists. And it, man, it was great. My, at the end of the conference, my brain hurt. I was like, ah. Oh. Man, it was heavy stuff. And I'm getting more and more comfortable, as I said. There's things that, even as a pastor, I want to prepare a good package sermon for you that I love three bullet points. I love going to Bible class. Some of my favorite sermons, it's when I can leave, and they, they rhyme, and they're all the same letter, and they're all like, oh, I love those sermons. I'm like, that's what I want. Every time I prepare, I'm like, God, that's what I want. And I set out to do that. I'm like, God, this message is not, it's not what I wanted and then God reminds me, well, is this your sermon or is this my sermon? I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. I'd rather be led by the Spirit than be known as a really smart person. I, I want to grow now. I, I spend a lot of money on my kids' education. I want them to get smart. I want us to learn things. But at some point, I've told all of my kids, what, I, what matters to me more than getting an A in science is your heart is if the teachers are saying, man, this kid is unruly and has no respect for authority, I don't care if you have a straight A and that's what the teacher says about you. I care more about character. I care more about the heart, right? And this is what the Lord is saying this year, that we are to prepare our hearts. What does it mean to prepare your hearts? Not to recap the last couple Sundays, but a prepared heart is one that is humble, is pliable. One that is, it says in scripture, right? A broken and a contrite heart God will not ignore. He's attracted to humility. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There's something about when God sees a heart that is just humble, he's so attracted. I got to go spend time with that person. So a prepared heart is one that is broken, is ready to repent at the drop of a hat. That anytime the Holy Spirit just quickens, I'm quick to say I'm wrong and actually say that to my fellow brother. I was wrong. What I said, I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? If that's hard for you to say, your heart's got some more preparing to do, right? To actually ask for forgiveness, that shows a prepared heart. But I love, to me, it marries this idea of not just a broken and a soft and a pliable and a, a, a humble and repentant heart, but it's one that Psalm 51 talks about. I love, as I shared, the Living Bible says, 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, filled with clean thoughts and right desires. I don't want just a heart that's broken. I want a heart that's passionate for the things of God. God, what are you desiring? Because I want my heart to desire what you desire. Right? Scripture, people misquote the Bible. They say money is the root of all evil. That's not what Scripture says, right? It's the love of money is the root of all evil. In other words, it's the love of anything other than God, an idol. If you love something more than God, it's the root of all your evil. I've counseled with people, and I'm trying, they want me to give them tools to fix their actions. In my marriage or in this, there's these things that aren't working. So, Pastor, can you give me a tool to fix the action? I'm like, actually, we've got to scale down to your heart. Because I can try to fix all the external things and we'll get nowhere. If we get to the heart of the matter and we deal with those things, that's where we can actually bring life and health into the situation. The heart is what matters. And so, man, even as I said that, I won't say names, but over the last nine years of being the pastor here, There's people that are not here today, physically in the room, and a part of our church family, where I can tell you discipleship was happening, and they were reading their Bible every day. And they were asking me questions. They were hungry for God's word, and they were getting knowledge. But the problem was their hearts. It was amazing how scripture, they were studying scripture in a few months, and they were ready to correct me. Pastor, you're teaching that wrong. It's like, wait, wait, wait a second. You've been saved for six months and I've been, you've been reading God's word and you've read like two books of the Bible and you're correcting me and I'm ready to be corrected. My heart is humble. I, I want to be corrected. But it wasn't the right, the heart is what matters. It wasn't a right heart. It was full of pride saying, oh, I already figured this thing out. Pastor, you're wrong. I'm right. <laughs> See, the heart matters. I can give you all kinds of good information, right? God's word, oh, it's so important to hide in our heart. The word of God is so important but if it's not changing our hearts, it doesn't mean anything. I, I had coworkers that went to Bible college, super smart guy, knew the Bible, and now had turned, had turned away from the Lord. And it was all the heart. To me, I knew I, there was something that happened in his life, an offense, a hurt, and he blamed God, and he could not forgive God for what happened in his life. And because there was an issue in his heart, all this knowledge of God's word, it just made him puffed up. And this hard heart rejected God. And I want to read God's word. I want to give you a hunger for God's word this year. But if our heart is in the right place, it means nothing. So the heart matters so much. Hmm. So as I said, I, I have this lens that no matter what I'm listening to, a podcast, I've been listening, to, I, I listen to several different pastors all throughout the week. I listen to different sermons and some of that's really good. I'm getting fed. Sometimes, like I said, I'm like, oh, I like that. How come I can't preach like that, God? Or, you know, whatever. There's things where it can, it can be to my own detriment sometimes. But it's amazing how no matter what I'm listening to, no matter what devotional I'm reading, what song comes on, because I've been studying and been praying and thinking about my heart being prepared, my mind being prepared, doesn't matter. It all comes back to that same idea. And so I'm sure everyone in this room, you've heard the story of the feeding of the 5,000. You've probably heard sermons preached on it before. You've heard your pastor, if you've been here for the last several years, you've heard your pastor preach on Sunday mornings from that very story, right? I always feel like I'm that young boy that's got his lunch. I just got two fish. 
and we're supposed to feed 5,000 people? I'm like, I got two fish, Jesus. I don't know how that's going to feed everybody. That's my heart often when I prepare a sermon. I'm like, God, this, this is like just my own devotional time. It's for me. It's like a little snack meal for me. How's that going to feed everybody? I don't know how you're going to do that, but I just present it to God. And he does the rest. And we're going to take a quick look at that. If you want to turn in your Bibles, it's in all four Gospels. We're going to look at Mark chapter 6, starting verse 35. Um, so Mark 6, 35 is where we're headed. It'll be up on the screen. You can grab a Bible in front of you. I like having my own Bible, not just relying on the screen. So whatever floats your boat, you can do. Um, but I'll say this even before we get into the story. I think I partly understood it. And then even as we were praying before service started, the Lord is doing a work in me, even through this story, that as I pray all the time, I'm just bringing my two fish. God, I, I'm so unprepared. I don't know how you can do this. I'm getting a new mindset. All I need to do is prepare my heart and prepare my mind. God, we sing that whatever you want to do. Here's my heart, Lord. What do you want to do? I, I don't want to dictate how everything happens. It's just my heart is prepared and my mind is prepared to do whatever you want to do. I, the scripture that came to my mind over and over again, and it's not even in my sermon, right, is in Proverbs. It says, the horse is prepared for battle, but the battle belongs to the Lord. The horse is prepared. It's your job to get the saddle on the horse, make sure it's well fed, it's healthy, got sleep and rest. Do whatever you can to get the horse prepared. But at some point, the battle's not gonna, you're not gonna win or lose the battle based on how prepared your horse is. The battle, it belongs to the Lord. At some point, it's my job to prepare a sermon. At some point, I have to lead, this, lead us as a church. I need to do my job. I'm getting paid to prepare our church to go where God wants us to go. I have, I have a job to do. At some point, if we are all relying on my strength, on my intellect, on my ability, we're doomed. <laughs> Praise God, this is his church. Praise God, he has a plan. I can try to come up with preparations, but it's, it brings peace to my soul knowing that it belongs to the Lord. When I lead my own family, there's times where I have to make decisions. I don't have wisdom. God, what do I do with finances? What do I do about this? I don't know. I don't know. And I can get all tense. and I don't know. Oh, wait a second. I'm yoked with you, God. Wait a second. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. Oh, thank you, God, that it is... The success of my family is not all on my shoulders. It's on your shoulders too. Oh, I find rest and peace in that. And I pray that you find rest and peace in knowing that whatever you're going through, you don't have to know how to get yourself out of it. You don't have to have it all figured out. At some point, you don't have to watch the news and figure out, this is how we end abortion. This is how we fix our politics. This is how we get the church on fire. I don't, praise God, he's building the church. Yes, he's given us tools or the keys, but at some point, it belongs to him. I, on my own, I cannot perform a miracle. I can't. But I can be prepared for him to perform a miracle. Even before we read this story, maybe we're supposed to say that. I'm prepared for God to do a miracle. Now you say it. I'm prepared for God to do a miracle. If you're watching online, I'm going to encourage you, say it out loud at home. 
There's something about, I know you've heard me say this often, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Sometimes I have to hear myself say it. Faith comes by hearing. I've actually heard pastors quote it, right? We, we said that the world quotes money is the root of all evil. That's not what scripture says. Some pastors say faith comes by the word of God. I'm like, no, actually you skipped a part. Faith, the word of God is huge, but faith actually comes by hearing and hearing comes from the word of God. I can have no ears to hear unless God's word is opening up my understanding. But at some point, God's word all by itself without me hearing, it doesn't bring faith. I've got to have ears to hear. Uh, a verse that we heard in our family these last couple of weeks was the truth, right? We quote this wrong. The truth will set you free. It's actually you shall know the truth. And once you know the truth, once you've heard it and you've embraced it and you're applying it to your life, oh, that's when it sets you free. There's something deeper going on. And I feel like this is part of what the Lord is saying this morning, is he wants us to think a little deeper. I'm guilty sometimes of doing devotions where I just kind of checked it off. Like, yeah, yeah, I read scripture today, I did that. And God is saying, no, Ryan, are you preparing your mind? At some point, you need to stop and meditate and chew on and process, what am I really saying this? You've heard this verse a hundred times. You've preached on it before, so you think you know what it's saying. You don't know. Stop and think. Meditate. Chew on. Process. What am I saying today? <laughs> because there needs to be a revelation. Something fresh, something, I'll use that. Something fresh and new needs to come from heaven. Jesus says, I am the bread of heaven. Right? Don't live on yesterday's manna. There's got to be a fresh word. I don't want to live off of just following the Lord. Oh, man, I got so many things in my mind. I know we said we're going to Mark chapter 6. You can stay there for a second. I'm just being transparent with you in my own life. I've known God's word for a long time. Like I shared, I was in kindergarten when I accepted Jesus into my heart. I grew up in a good Christian home, came to this church when I was, I don't know, eight or nine years old, grew up in this church for 30-something years, went to private Christian school, private Christian university, like just surrounded by a godly uh, wife, godly kids. Like I'm just in a bubble of God all around my life. And at some point, there are areas of my life or areas of my thinking that I'm just walking in the kingdom, which sounds good. I'm walking in the kingdom, but my mind is not in the kingdom. Does that make sense? I don't know how to say it better. There's things where I know the principles of God's word. I know that if someone does something rude to me, I know what God's word says. I know you don't get revenge. I know that it's not up for me to, to make things right, right? That I am to turn the other cheek, that I am to forgive 70 times seven, right? I, I know the truths, the principles of God's word, and I walk in them, and it brings a lot of benefit in my life. Man, the wisdom of God's word, it has shielded me, it's protected me, it's upheld me. It's been really good. I enjoy my life a lot. But at some point, I'm not satisfied with just walking in the kingdom and my head not in the kingdom. I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly. Nick quoted from Corinthians that we can have the mind of Christ. 
Often, I'm just being real with you. I don't think I'm the only one in this room. I, I can look. I, there's a lot of people here. You're seasoned veterans in the Lord. And I've seen your lifestyle. You live a lifestyle of living like God. You know the heart of God. God is love. You know his character and how he treats people. And so that's good. We should be walking in the nature and character of God. But at some point, I actually want the mind of Christ. Because I'm realizing more and more as I'm studying this, preparing my mind, there are thoughts that I entertain and thoughts that permeate my actions that are thoughts that Christ does not think. And I can't afford to think a thought that he doesn't think. I can't afford to think about myself the way he doesn't think about myself. I can't afford to think about other people the way he doesn't think about them. I can't afford to be in a situation and have the emotion and let that dictate it and actually not be thinking the mind of Christ. He's the redeemer of all things. He always has a plan. He always has a path to redeem all things. He has the answer before the problem even presents itself. That's who he is. He always is prepared. My mind doesn't always think that way. And I want the mind of Christ. I want to think the way Jesus thinks. I gave an example on Wednesday night. You know, this isn't real true. I have great neighbors, but I'm just using this example. Say I moved into a new neighborhood and my, my next door neighbor was this grouchy old guy. And I, as soon as we moved in, I, I kind of reach out, try to be hospitable, you know, bring him a baked cookies, you know, plate of baked cookies. And, you know, I try to just do things to be nice to this guy. And he's just always mean. And he's never nice. And I've lived there for a year. And this guy is just like, and again, I know the nature that patience, right, the fruit of the Spirit, you endure, you, all these things, right? I know these things, and so I'm just kind to him all the time, even though he's rude to me. That can be a good thing, right? But at some point, I don't want to just think like God. I want to have a God thought. Let's see if this, I can make sense of what I just said. I don't want to just think his mercies are new every morning, so I'll just keep being gracious to this old grouch guy every day. At some point, I want a God thought for that man. I want a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. I want a prophetic word. I want something that actually gets to the heart or the root of the problem. See, if all I ever did was just keep being nice to the guy, who knows? I'm not saying that he wouldn't come to the Lord. It's possible, right? We quote all the time, right? Preach the word at all times. If necessary, use words, right? And that's, there's a lot of truth to that. But at some point... I don't want to just live a good lifestyle hoping that people find Jesus. I want to actually have the mind of Christ. That, God, what are you thinking? Right after he was rude to me, God, what are you thinking about that man? And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit actually drops the mind of Christ and reveals to me a revelation. That man had a horrible relationship with his father. And he vowed to himself that when he became a dad, he would have the best relationship with his son. And he poured everything into his son. And when his son became an adult, his own son rejected him. And when I showed up on the scene, I had the same color hair and I'm the same age. And every time he sees me, it reminds him of his son. And it just grows this bitterness and anger inside of him. Now I had a God thought. I have compassion. I have, this is how I get to the root of the problem. This is how I minister to this man. I'm not just tolerating a grouchy man. 
I actually have the thoughts and mind of Christ of how to minister to him. God, you just revealed to me all of his junk. Now I'm interceding in a whole other level. When I'm praying, I'm not praying for myself. God, help me be nice to this man. That might be a nice prayer, but at some point now I'm interceding. God, you see the hurt in his heart. And every time he sees me, he sees hurt. I wanted to see you, Jesus. Show me how to reveal you, Jesus. My prayer becomes so different when my heart and my mind are prepared and I have the mind of Christ. <laughs> Hopefully you're benefiting from me not just sticking to my notes. <laughs> Mark 6. Let's just read part of it. It's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. We're not reading the whole story, but we're jumping in verse 35. Oh, I'm not there in my Bible. Let me get there really quick. All right, verse 35. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to Jesus, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and just give them something to eat? But Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. Sorry, that's verse 40. I love this story. Because my mind goes in two different ways. As I was chewing on it, I was thinking about this. I think Jesus was prepared. I think Jesus, from the get-go, knew he, went, he wanted to feed 5,000. That's where he was going that day. But there's actually part of me, I'll get to it, that maybe he wasn't prepared for that. But we'll, we'll debate on that one in a second. But let's go with the idea that Jesus is prepared. He knows what he's about to do. And so on purpose, he draws a crowd in a deserted, remote place where there's no food, there's nothing going on. And on purpose, he's preaching a long time. On purpose, he sees people falling asleep, and he's like, yep, I'm gonna keep on preaching. On purpose, he's setting the stage. It's a setup. And the disciples, this is how, you're, you're into my life now, my world, how I read some things sometimes. The disciples, they came to Jesus, and they themselves are hungry. They're like, their stomach is growling. Said, scholars agree that it's possible that, that John, the disciple, probably was a teenager. I got a teenager in my house. Let me tell you, he's hungry all the time. <laughs> so they've already missed a meal. They're fasting, and Jesus is going longer. And they're recognizing, man, Jesus is preaching longer than normal. What the heck? Right? And so they're like, we got to get Jesus to shut up. Like, come on, let's go tell him the people are hungry. Yeah, yeah let's go. Jesus, the people, they're really hungry. Like, we got to stop, Right? It's a setup. I shared, Jesus has nicknames for me, so I had no problem. I'll, call, I'll give nicknames to Jesus. Jehovah Sneaky. In the word, it says he's Jehovah Jireh, right? Jehovah Rapha. There's also Jehovah Sneaky. It's a setup. I don't know about you, but Jesus, he set me up before. In my life, he set me up. He knew what he was doing all along, and he, I think he was kind of chuckling, watching me struggle to try to figure it out. Not because he's sinister and mean. No, because what was the end result? The disciples got to get in on the miracle. Jesus didn't just perform the miracle. Actually, it says the disciples, they got a piece of bread and a piece of fish, and they 
had to go with one piece of bread maybe and one piece of fish, and it says they had to go to a group of 100. And Jesus says, go feed him. You gave me one piece, Jesus. How how am I going to feed 100 people, right? So the miracle didn't happen just in Jesus' hands. It happened. It was a setup for them to get in on it. See, sometimes we think the discipline of the Lord or going through hard times, we, we get confused. But actually, God loves us so much that he's willing for us to go through hard times because he sees something that's blocking his love. You actually don't understand how good I really am. So let me, go, let me have you go through something that's difficult so you actually can have your eyes open to see how good I really am. It's not because he's mean and he just wants to spank us all the time. Right? In disciplining my kids, I'm guilty. I'll say it. It hasn't been a long time since I spanked a kid. But there was at least one time where I did spank my kids and it was out of frustration. And I repented big time. Because I didn't ever want to. 99% of the time when I spanked them, it was because I loved them. And they didn't understand that at five years old. You love me? Why are you hitting me? Right? It's because I know if I don't stop this behavior, it's going to set you up for a horrible life. I want to set you up for a beautiful life. So I'm going to bring some pain. I'm going to bring some difficulty to set you up for beauty. This is Jesus. It's a setup. He's prepared to do a miracle. Jesus is always prepared to do a miracle. Jesus is always prepared to do a miracle. Let's say, like I said, let's say just take the thought that he did not have this pre-planned out. Because it's possible. I I can argue both ways. I can argue that Jesus planned it out because in John's gospel, it talks about Philip coming to him specifically, and Jesus asked him a question knowing he was going to test his faith. And he knew beforehand what he was going to do. It says in John's gospel, same story. So Jesus probably was prepared. But let's take, for instance, maybe Jesus wasn't thinking about physically feeding the 5,000. He was so in a mindset of spiritually feeding the 5,000. And I can argue this too because Jesus says this before. He told the disciples, go get me lunch while I stay here at the well and talk to this woman. They all come back and they're like, here's your food, Jesus. He's like, oh, I'm not hungry. What? You just told us to get you food. Yeah, but I got spiritual food from my heavenly father you know nothing about. There's times where Jesus is not thinking about physical food. He's like, man, I am just so well fed by the father, I don't need physical food. And I can keep going with this logic. Pastor Greg did a great sermon on blind Bartimaeus. Jesus was on his way somewhere else. And blind Bartimaeus is the one yelling and yelling. I'm saying, shut up. And he interrupts Jesus' plans. And Jesus was prepared to do a miracle. How many miracles actually read the Gospels? Jesus was on his way, and there's a woman that touches the hem of his garment. And Jesus said, who touched me? He was not, pre, he was not pre-thought out, I'm going to heal this woman today. He was just prepared to do whatever the Father wanted to do. He was so prepared with his heart and his mind in the right place that whenever an opportunity came, he was prepared to do a miracle. Almost every, right, the centurion, all these different things, they kept interrupting Jesus. And Jesus was prepared for a miracle. I wonder if Jesus is prepared to do a miracle in your life. He's just waiting for the invitation. Are you going to interrupt me? Are you going to be like blind Bartimaeus and start shouting, Son of David, have mercy on me. Look at me. Look at me. I have a problem. 
He's prepared to do a miracle. He's just waiting for the invitation. But I love this is because it's a setup. I, I'm not super organized and super planned. My wife and other people here, you are very good thinkers and you have the gift of administration. I love that Jesus waited till the very last second to tell them, you feed them. Because think about it. If, if Jesus would have said a month before, hey, next month, I'm going to take 5,000 men plus their wives and children, so maybe 15,000 people. We're going to go to a remote hillside and we're going to feed them a huge meal. So I want you to prepare for this huge meal. Oh my goodness. He'd be like, Jesus, that's going to cost, we don't have the money for that. All the preparations to do that, and now we have to carry all this food, and we have to cook it, and have it, like that's a lot of preparation, Jesus. Are you thinking all these things through? Like, that takes a lot of work. But I love that Jesus just has this peace. He's like, no, we're going we're gonna to feed them all. But you don't have to worry about all the preparations. Just go and see what you do have. I love that. Jesus telling his disciples to prepare was not prepare for a month and get everything in order. It was, what do you currently have in your possession? Bring it to me. Good enough. That's a good word right there. That brings peace. Because sometimes I, sometimes I, get, to get, I get a glimpse of what God wants to do in the latter church. And what he wants to do, I'm like, oh, Lord, and I'm going to be a pastor of that? And I, I have to steward, I, I don't know how to do all that. And I get overwhelmed thinking too much about my, I'm overthinking it. And I just have to say, oh, no, all I have to do is prepare my heart and prepare my mind and present whatever I do have. And he does the rest. Oh, there's some peace in that. All right, as I try to, I had several different things. I'm going to try to land the plane. So if... Daniel, the worship team can come up. I'm asking right now, I pray that you're asking, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us today? Because there's tons of verses I didn't even get to, tons of things. I had really good stuff, some, some things that rhymed. And I was really excited to share, but didn't get to it. Um, yeah, right? Although I keep saying that, I don't think I've ever got to preach leftovers. I always have so many leftovers every Sunday. I'm like, oh, I'll be there next Sunday. Nope, I don't ever get to preach leftovers. Um, We've said it several times, right? That we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. The Lord wants to renew our minds this morning. He wants to give us his thoughts. He doesn't want us to be double-minded. James says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. If we are to prepare our hearts and minds for action, again, I think of action, all of his ways, all the things he does. A person that is not stable in what they do is because their heart and their mind are divided. And the Lord is saying this morning, would you get your heart and your mind fixed on me? Renew your thoughts. Renew your heart's desires. Make me the treasure of your heart. Fix your eyes on me and let me perfect those things. See, our preparation is to purify our hearts and position our minds. His preparation is to plan our paths and to bring perfection. I can't bring perfection but he perfects those things which concern me. 
If I fix my eyes on him, he's the author and the perfecter of my faith. I don't have to be perfect. I know God's word says be perfect as the heavenly father's word. Get yourself in a right mindset. Mature yourself and let God perfect you. You will be perfect. So would you just close your eyes for a second? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? You could be saying something in general to all of us, but Holy Spirit, right now, I fix my mind on you. What are you saying to me personally? I want to be a doer of your word. We prayed that we would hear it and that faith would arise as we hear your word. So God, may we leave here being transformed because our minds are renewed on what you are saying. Words of life are being spoken today and I want to receive life today. So what are you saying to me? Is there a thought that you are not thinking that I am currently thinking? Holy Spirit, together, can we capture that thought? and subject it to obedience of Christ. Holy Spirit, I need to think about whatever's true and lovely and noble and right and of good reports. I've been thinking of things I shouldn't be thinking about and I repent this morning. Give me the mind of Christ Jesus. Help me to hope all things, believe all things, to endure all things that I would never fail. May we all become champions of hope. That we all have hope as an anchor for our souls. That when we hear bad news, a bad report, our mind automatically thinks, oh, this is going to be good to see how God turns this around. I trust you, God. Where my mind can't comprehend, I trust you with all of my heart. And I acknowledge that you are perfect in all of your ways. I trust you afresh and anew this morning. I confess my trust and belief. I will believe all things because you are good at all times. It's in your nature to redeem all things. And you've given us the ministry of reconciliation. So Lord, I just pray, take my heart, purify it, Fix my eyes and my mind on you. That I would be a new creation in Christ. That I would walk out of here different than the way I came in. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your word. And all God's people said, amen.